your car is the best PPE. This week, Innovate Edmonton, formerly kinda sorta known as the EDC, gets a new CEO and we'll be talking to her about her new position. Plus, all that news we missed last week. You know, when we took the worst time possible to take a break. Yeah, we'll get into that briefly. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 109, where you heard right off the top that every piece of news possible to be generated was generated last week. You probably saw the news articles. You probably saw other organizations covering it, and you didn't have your podcast to get into it. On to the rapid fire. A small micro nation on an island in the middle of Edmonton, the McDonald's on 61st Ave, has requested foreign aid to revitalize their struggling economy. The McDonald's, which has been lauded as the slowest McDonald's in the city by an unnamed Speaking Municipally podcast host, has seen a slowdown in traffic after a five-story void that was discovered under the roadway this fall. According to Epcor, no Canadian company can manufacture the pipe that's required to repair the sewer trunk line, necessitating ordering it from Dubai. Officials expect the pipe to be delivered as soon as possible, but warn that there is a potential for an international incident when the Saudis realize that the pulverizer McDonald's negotiated to exchange for the pipe was not a new weapons contract, but rather the typical Edmontonian's review of the after effects of eating one of their meals. Candy Cane Lane will be drive through only, the city announced this week, following a series of new restrictions from the province. Officials made sure to highlight that these moves are designed to keep everyone safe said Health Minister Tyler Shandro, quote, Earlier in the year, we tried distributing masks at drive throughs with limited success, but as with every jurisdiction, we're learning and adapting to this pandemic. We're trying something innovative. Where other jurisdictions might expand the mask program to keep more people safe, we're instead expanding the drive through program and encouraging people to simply not ever leave their car, end quote. While some have raised concerns about the increased emissions from extra vehicles idling, concerns were quickly dismissed from the city, suggesting that we look at jurisdictions in Asia where people wear masks during rush hour to mitigate the heavy smog, said interim city manager Adam Lachlan, quote, remember, the best way to keep yourself safe from the smog generated by people using a car as PPE instead of wearing a mask is simply to yourself use a mask. Explore Edmonton is asking the city to double its budget to help account for the cratering entertainment and tourism revenues due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The request would ask for $22 million this year, up from $8 million. However, it's not all bad news for Explore Edmonton, the operators of the Expo Center, whose parking lot would make a great location for Red Cross Field Hospital. In a press release, the organization announced that they're looking forward to the partnership with the province, offering an expansive dine-in menu and casino service within the Expo Center and a conveniently located field ICU outside for the inevitable result. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. And this episode is brought to you by the Well-Endowed Podcast from the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink and produced by Lisa Pruden. The podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The ECF helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. Episode 84 explores the history, present, and future of public transit in Edmonton. You can find that and subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. On Tuesday this week, Innovate Edmonton 
named its new CEO, Catherine Warren, most recently the CEO of Vancouver Economic Commission. Uh, she's been selected to lead the new innovation entity that we have told you about on the show many times in the past. Uh, they filled the board positions uh, earlier this year. And just in the nick of time, before we head into 2021, we have a new CEO. And Catherine is here with us today. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you. And I am very excited to be with you today. We're glad to have you. Uh, congratulations on the new role. Oh, I'm so excited to, to have the new role and to start to connect with everyone through Slack and through Zoom and everything else. It's great. I have to say, before we get you to tell us a bit more about yourself, you made quite the introduction in the Yegg Startup Slack, posting a cat gif and asking a question for a friend about what uh, what you should look at for the innovation community. I thought it was a pretty clever way to introduce yourself to that community. Oh, well, thank you. Well, there were a lot of um, sunglasses coming off I saw, so I thought I could put sunglasses on. There you go. <laughs> so why don't you start by telling us a bit about yourself for all of our Edmonton listeners for whom you are a new name? Um, well, my background is in media technology, specifically um, working for many years helping entertainment companies like broadcasters and film and sports and other entertainment media to make the transition from traditional to online, online delivery, distribution, deal-making audiences, and international communities. And um, then a few years ago, I took my career more in the direction of what I like to think of as a higher purpose, working at the intersection of innovation and city building. Um, I took on the role of a president and CEO of an innovation district in Vancouver called the Center for Digital Media, which became a thriving community for um, graduate students, game studios, art galleries, um, and a kind of place where people could live and work and study, all themed around digital media. And then subsequently, I took on the role as CEO of Vancouver Economic Commission, where we focused on um, some high growth areas for the city, including smart cities technologies such as AI and 5G, um, the green economy, the impact economy, and of course, media and entertainment. I hear that you just came from a pretty lucrative position in Vancouver and you lived in Vancouver. So why Edmonton? I mean, we're all stuck here, but why are you landing here? Well, I um, was doing an international job search and I was discussing with my family and I just said, I, you know, this is such an important time to find a role where I can work with the community and try and make a difference and we can go on an adventure and possibly move somewhere. And so I was just really looking for fit and the thing that I am so excited about this role is that it's, it's sort of like a hall of mirrors for startups. Like it's about startups and it's a startup itself and it's also uh, a fund. And um, so I have kind of backgrounds in, in all of those areas. So, you know, it just felt like a, a great landing spot. And my husband and I are very excited to move there as soon as pandemic conditions permit. You'll have to uh, give some advice to the Edmonton Oilers when you're here about how to attract people from other markets, because 
I didn't hear you complain about the weather once. So you're off to a great start. Uh, what did you know about Edmonton's innovation sector prior to looking into this opportunity? Well, I had had the privilege of spending some time with Edmonton Global in my last role at the Economic Commission, because, of course, um, we were a big uh, foreign direct investment community across Canada. And so in working with Malcolm Bruce, who's the CEO of Edmonton Global and his team, uh, I really got to know Edmonton's bench strength in things like AI, um, life sciences, um, health tech, and kind of energy transformation. And I had also, over the years, done some work with Super Channel, um, in fact, helping the company bring esports to broadcasting. So I've had some experience with Edmonton entrepreneurs as well as um, the ActDev community here. You're the new CEO coming in, and as is appropriate with a new CEO, you've probably got to change everything out from underneath everyone immediately. What's your big sweeping day one change that you're going to make as soon as you land at Edmonton? Well, you know, here's the beauty of this being like a rank startup. Literally no changes need to be made. Everything needs to be built in terms of organization and structure for Innovate Edmonton as a nonprofit entity. In terms of the community, though, I am just amazed at the breadth and scope and like high degree of connectivity between all of these different entities from the startup community to what I've seen with Aaron and Tech Edmonton and Rainforest. And I'm just like learning all of this stuff. So, you know, for me, it's going to be a quick course, a crash course in really understanding how everyone um, has distinguished themselves, how they fit together. And then, of course, really appreciating what Edmonton startups and entrepreneurs really need. I mean, I imagine that Edmonton entrepreneurs are like startup leaders everywhere. Of course, they have their secret sauce, but what they all need is help with their first big hire, their first big client, their first big raise, um, those kinds of things. And then I'm also very keen to work with traditional industries that have pockets of innovation and skunk works going on within and kind of knitting that together with the more, let's say, the, the classic tech innovation community. I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because we do have some existing entities, right? There's Startup Edmonton. You mentioned Tech Edmonton. There's also the Screen Industries office and there's Health City, and there was some discussion in the creation of this new entity that all of these different organizations be merged or at least brought under the umbrella, so to speak. I understand that's similar to maybe what you had in Vancouver with the Film Commission as well. What, what are your thoughts on that integration of everything that's going on, those existing brands versus, you know, leaving those as is and building something new, as you say, with Innovate? Yeah, I mean, I can imagine that, you know, it's a combination of understanding what economies of scale we might get versus, you know, where these individual brands need to exist in the market. Sure, in Vancouver, um, in my role as CEO of the Economic Commission, I oversaw the Vancouver Film Commission. There was also a film office within City Hall. Um, so, you know, there are 
Vancouver kind of had a bit of a blended model. Is that, is that because it's a bigger industry though? Like film is a much bigger industry there, right? Than here? Oh my gosh. So, so big. And also um, under my purview was animation and visual effects, which of course is the largest sector in the world of its kind. And so, you know, that, that said, it was a pretty skinny budget. And, um, you know, I, I think people in, in Edmonton might be looking to see where um, there's some like, let's just say institutional M&A that could happen to the benefit of all. And then where, um, you know, uh, certain organizations need to maintain autonomy for other reasons. We're going to have to call you on that acronym. Institutional M&A? Elaborate. Institutional M&A meaning more where you have uh, entities that get their funding from the same combination of sources. And could they work together either, you know, hand in hand or in an umbrella model such that the funder and the taxpayer get a, a better deal? So merging them, perhaps, maybe having one of them acquire another one. Yeah. You mentioned the budget. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, your budget in Vancouver was $3.8 million, a bigger market, I think it's fair to say, than Edmonton. And here, the city's confirmed $5 million for the new innovation entity. I'm curious about your thoughts on what the right level of investment is for innovation in Edmonton, and also considering these different organizations, as you mentioned, that kind of all take from the same pot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is incredibly impressive and visionary for the city of Edmonton to make this kind of investment in innovation at this time. Um, You know, it's, it's really prescient. So, you know, for example, at a time when um, the world needs climate resilience and Edmonton has some innovation capacity there or when pandemic response is needed and Edmonton has this incredible life sciences skill set. So to kind of double down on um, innovation and diversification is very wise. And, you know, I, I see the province doing the same thing. So, you know, for me, when I was looking at, you know, where's a good place for me to commit, um, this just seemed like a really good environment to participate in. So let's talk about that environment a little bit, because as much as I don't want to disparage or uh, you said your first day was yesterday. So whoops, let's bring some bad news in. The province has made some questionable decisions, according to the innovation community in the past year, namely the cutting of the innovation tax credit. And we've seen the UCP not be accoladed by the innovation community. Are you worried at all coming into this relationship where you have an order of government that maybe isn't as supportive of your industry as you perhaps might like? You know, again, um, day, day one and a half for me. But <laughs> I, um, I think two things. One, innovation is all around us and it happens in the messy middle and it happens in the margins. And it's not again, just about one sector. I think governments that are interested in investing in transformation, in the just transition, in making sure that no opportunity is left unchecked, are going to continue to invest in the space that you know, you're all participating in and I'm becoming a part of. And we're, we're extremely fortunate that Canada has this 
belief in, um, I'll just call it infrastructure support for innovation. And that's going to allow us to forge ahead, to open global markets, and to meet some of the world's biggest challenges head on in a way where, you know, the international community is going to look to Edmonton and say, hey, we want more of what Edmonton has to offer. In the news release that announced uh, your selection as CEO, there was a line about climate change. I'm going to read it here quickly. It's to reinforce the city's climate resilience goals, Innovate Edmonton will also help companies making significant advances in clean energy, decarbonization, and green buildings. So that speaks to those, you know, big problems facing the world that you talked about. But I, I must admit, I was struck a little bit by that line because it felt perhaps a bit like scope creep, uh, as we would say in the tech world. I think many folks were expecting this innovation entity to be focused on tech innovation. And I recognize that there's a lot of tech perhaps involved in this, but what are your thoughts on innovation? Like, what does that mean? Is that really broad? Does it need to be more specific? Would we get more done if we narrowed our focus? A lot of that's going to be up to the community, but I would imagine that if you work in sustainability or if you worked in an impact business or, um, you know, in other areas of the economy, you're very proud of the innovation that you bring to bear on the the local community and, and the market that you serve. So I would not want to narrow it specifically to tech innovation unless, you know, the, the community says that's what needs to be done. So part of this, of course, is I work with and for an independent board of directors of eminent business leaders that were chosen prior to my arrival. And and so um, they're going to be setting the strategic vision. And then we're also going to have a business advisory council that will help kind of guide the ship and the direction. I think um, that line in the release really speaks to innovation writ large, which is how I see innovation. And so Maybe it was a bit of indulging my editorial <laughs> hand. You talked a little bit about the direction set. And I got to say, in Edmonton, a lot of our innovation and our uh, tech direction has been sort of set by Don Iveson. He was a real champion of Health City, of the Innovation Corridor, of recruiting and bringing a lot more AI research into Edmonton. Supporting Startup Edmonton right at the beginning. Absolutely. He was babyface when he first ran for mayor. So like he brought all the university innovation over. He's not going to be mayor anymore. Uh, He announced uh, last week that he won't be seeking another term. Does that impact the future of your position? Do you still want the job at all? (laughs) Well, you know what? That would be really lame if I had to pack up and go home. Um, we, we get that he's a draw, though. I mean, let's be I, honest. You know, of course, the mayor is a is a draw, and your next mayor will also be a draw um, because you chose your mayor, and so the mayor is a reflection of the community. And you know, I I believe that you know he making a decision right around the time that I'm coming on board, and so it's too bad that we won't get to overlap as much as I would have liked. But I am extremely confident in the constituency. So you're on day one or day one and a half. Do you have a way that you're thinking about what your approach will be? Like, how will you describe to others what your approach in this role uh, will look like? I see myself as a convener 
as a catalyst and as a champion for innovation. You know, if people say, um, I don't need someone to tell my story, I want to tell my own story, you figure out something else to do, then I can also do that. But Right now, from what I've been able to gather in the preliminary research that I did, um, and then in kind of diving in in the past 24 hours, I actually think there is a role for those three C's, if you will. Typically, people who I assume like you are focused on success and focused on bringing up this community, you'd have some goals, you'd have some aspirations. What does six months, a year from now look like? What would a success A plus case look like for you? Well, I think for me, it's um, helping Edmonton um, as placemakers for local innovation where collaboration thrives and where global leaders invest. So that would be a, a check mark. Um, I see us part of shaping this resilient 21st century economy with expanded international networks, um, incredible talent, and great jobs. I see us propelling innovators to create global legacies and give back to the community. And then ultimately, um, as a city poised at the forefront of the innovation economy for this world in transition that we've just talked a bit about. What I didn't hear you say there was we're going to have 500 new startups and $4 billion in investment or any of those kinds of numbers. Are those things that you will think about and bring to the table or is the way that you're going to measure those outcomes you're looking for something different? You know, I, I am a huge data junkie and I love driving things through a dashboard and I definitely want to co-create some key metrics for us to measure success. I'm sure that will be expected, um, but this is a long game. Like innovation is a long game. Innovation in uh, the times of a pandemic or the times of a climate emergency um, or the times of um, social justice reform, all of this is a very long game. And so, um, you know, we want to have a few really quick wins, but we also don't want to crash and burn. And so people who are, who are looking to Edmonton as a place to invest or to land or to partner with local startups um, want to know that Edmonton is serious about this and is going to be focused on innovation for years to come. There's one important question that we have to ask you. Salesforce bought Slack for $27 billion. What's up with that? Was that a good buy? Break that down for us. Wow. Okay. So um, I've used both tools and, you know, the case could be made that Slack could have bought Salesforce. So it's super, super move on Salesforce's part. I totally get it. And I hope it doesn't change kind of the, the Slack vibe and culture as it gets absorbed into Salesforce. I hope they can keep Slack's distinct personality and uh, maybe Slack benefits from a lot of that infrastructure and reach. Slack is a pretty exciting product, had its roots in Western Canada, of course, which is you know a pretty good victory for our part of the world. Are there any Edmonton companies that you've been following from afar or that you're keen to learn more about now that you're uh, here in Edmonton? Again, just starting out, I wouldn't want to single out any specific companies, but I think, you know, I'm 
I'm excited about these sectors that that we've talked about today and to getting to know the folks at, at Amy and people who are focused in the AI and, and life sciences communities here as a really great starting point and kind of growing out from there. You know, ultimately, I, I imagine Innovate Edmonton will be telling stories of specific companies. We'll also be telling themed stories around um, sectors of excellence and, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to meeting the leaders and the workers behind all of that. Catherine, I'm wondering what is the most impactful thing that a listener could do to help Edmonton's innovation sector? I think to see themselves as part of innovation in Edmonton and um, to understand what innovation means to them in their particular line of work or their particular field of study, to participate in the innovation economy um, in any way that that they can in order to um, be part of the, the contribution to this transformation that the world so badly needs. And it really is a big tent. There is room for everybody when it comes to innovation. And so I, I hope to encourage that in Edmontonians. Is there anything else you'd like to, to leave our listeners with? Any closing message or takeaway you'd like to give them? I would just like to say I've received the warmest of welcomes. I feel so happy to be embraced by the community, even though it's from afar. I know this has been a very tough time with respect to the pandemic. There's a lot of uncertainty. I'm conscious that innovation communities are under tremendous pressure um, to conduct business and respond to these urgent global needs. And I just want to say that I'm here to help. Okay, well, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. It was great to have you. And so early on, I would have expected that you'd say, no, I'm not doing your dumb podcast. I just got a new job. I'm a CEO. Come on. Talk to my secretary. I am honored. I am so honored to be doing your show right out of the gate. We're an award-winning podcast, so you've got that <laughs> going for you. Yeah. Um, Thanks so much for joining us. Glad to have you. And good luck on the next upcoming years, decades, $27 billion sale of an Edmonton company to Salesforce, whatever the future holds for you. Thank you so much. And I hope that we do this together again. Absolutely. Welcome back anytime. Thank you. I think now is a good time to get into the lead we've buried, which was the thing that everyone was talking about while we weren't talking last week. And that was Don Iveson has declared that he is not running for mayor. This is something we've speculated about for a long time. But as of last week, there was official confirmation and Don Iveson posted on his blog and did a media circuit confirming that he won't be running for re-election in 2021. Right. And I, as you say, we've talked about this before, so I don't think that it was shocking news that he made this announcement, but I still felt a bit surprised by it. I mean, I guess it's real now and uh, and we're for sure going to have a new mayor uh, come the next election. I was still thinking he'd hold on for a bit, maybe not announce this till later. Uh, I've seen some speculation about the timing of his announcement. It might just simply be that he had a bunch of year-end media interviews coming up and he was going to get asked about this for sure. So maybe figured it was best to just uh, beat them to the punch. But yeah, I'm kind of left with that feeling of a bit of surprise, but certainly not shock. On the timing point, I would argue that given that he announced exclusively on Ryan Jesperson's new podcast, 
And Ryan Jesperson was allegedly fired because of a spat with Mike Nickel and Don Iveson, not a known fan of Mike Nickel. There might be a connection there. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> of course, we're speculating. Um, but this, it changes a little bit because now the mayoral race is confirmed to be wide open. I'm sure you have a lot of progressive incumbents. People were thinking like, you know, Amarjeet Sohi or Andrew Knack, who might very well want the mayor's chair, but wouldn't run against Don Iveson. Uh, now there's time for those campaigns to prep if they're deciding to run and really get through the meat and potatoes of the decision-making process and see, can I actually do this? So I suspect we're going to see a lot more on that open mayoral race in the upcoming months and next year. I thought it was interesting that the mayor actually used that as part of the reason for why he announced now, like in his public statements about it, he he talked about how it is a year away and he wants to make sure that anybody who's thinking about running has the time to both really make that decision and commit to it and then also have the time to campaign and run effectively. So very interesting that he would mention that kind of thinking about who's coming next, perhaps, you know, wanting to make sure there is space for people like Andrew Knack when we know so far we've got, you know, Mike Nickel essentially already campaigning. It's funny that this exact same justification was what Michael Walters used when he said he wasn't running. And right. we talked to him on our podcast and we had speculated that perhaps he wasn't running because he knew that Don Iveson was going to run again and he couldn't get the mayoral seat if Don Iveson run. Now, neither of them are running, both allegedly for similar reasons. Indeed. And uh, both probably have future lives in politics, right? As we speculated about Michael Walters, perhaps uh, throwing his hat into the ring for a provincial or something. I'm not sure that uh, Don Iveson is angling for a provincial position, but he did talk, as he likes to, about the fiscal imbalance between the different orders of government and made it clear that it's a problem that he'd like to work on. The right opportunity came along. So I suspect we'll see more of Don probably at the federal level. That's something to keep an eye on, but Again, and I can't stress this enough, we are not in crazy season yet. It is still 2020, maybe come January. And he's still got a budget to get through, a whole year of work. There's lots for him to do still. Someone who will be starting a new set of work in the new year is our new city manager. Uh, Edmonton did a national talent search for a city manager. And just like the last national talent search, they found one right here. We found Andre Corbold, who's the deputy minister of education currently, and he will serve as Edmonton's next city manager. Yeah, this is an interesting choice, I think. You know, as you say, kind of national search for a year. It took a year to find somebody in our own backyard. He, before uh, becoming the deputy minister, had a 28-year career in the armed forces and uh, has served in a few different ministries as well, agriculture and forestry, um, in addition to education. So he's not exactly an outsider. I mean, he hasn't been working in municipal politics, but he's certainly been here in Alberta. And uh, I think it would have been quite interesting to bring somebody in from another jurisdiction, kind of like, you know, Catherine coming in to be the Innovate Edmonton CEO, to bring that different perspective and, and experience. But having said that, you know, I don't know much about um, Mr. Corbold, so I'm looking forward to learning about him and what he can bring to the role. Well, I can tell you that he is actually from another jurisdiction. He lives in St. Albert. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he doesn't have to commute for the first while. One does have to wonder, given that it was a national search and it took so long, if there wasn't another candidate that couldn't make it happen, that either they weren't willing to relocate to Edmonton, maybe the climate wasn't right, maybe they're personal life wasn't right. 
Because what I feel with how Edmonton has done this search is that Edmonton, with things like the parking minimums bylaw amendment that we made national and international news for eliminating, Mm -hmm. we were pushing this urban narrative that Edmonton is the next big city for 2 million people. And I would have expected city council to be really searching for that urbanist, that superstar. And, you know, Andre, great public servant. He's got a long record of history. I don't necessarily think he's a bad choice, but I don't think he was the superstar that city council might have been looking for. Right. I mean, I I think Linda Cochran did a great job as city manager. I was surprised when she was selected because it was somebody from the city. It was somebody internal. So at least in this case, we've gone a little bit further outside the municipality. It's an important note for people who aren't familiar with how provincial ministries work. We said he's the deputy minister of education. That's not a political appointee. The ministers, yes, those are part of the politics and they're appointed to cabinet. But the deputy minister, that's just a public servant. He's basically the CEO of the education ministry. That's right. It's not a partisan. He did serve under both Rachel Notley's NDP and in Jason Kenney's UCP government. One other thing we want to cover just quickly before we let you go is we said that city council would renew the mask bylaw. There was no question about that. But city council... In a surprising move, they extended the mask bylaw not just till next April, as originally planned, but until December 31st, 2021. Yeah, this is a brilliant move. And I believe it was a motion from Councillor Sarah Hamilton, right? Yes, that's correct. I mean, this is so great because, you know, we we heard about the number of the large number of people that had registered to speak to this item. And we knew there were going to be mostly people that are against masks, anti-maskers. And uh, to make this decision, to to push the renewal all the way to December 31st, 2021, is just great because it removes that platform. It removes another 150 people who want to talk about their personal rights and freedoms being infringed upon from having a platform to do that in, in April. And there's no reason that the city, the council, can't repeal this bylaw at any given time. So if we do get into 2021, and the vaccine programs are all working well, they can absolutely end this before the end of the calendar year. But it seems like a wise and prudent move to make, given that even if we get a vaccine in the near future here, it's going to take probably the rest of the year for it to fully roll out. And so masks are a part of our future for a while yet. And legislated to be a part of our future until next December. Something that might be in your future is a new provider for electricity and natural gas. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, an electricity and natural gas provider in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you switch retailers, nothing changes about the delivery of electricity or natural gas to your home and business. You just get a bill from a different company. The choice is yours, and there's a better deal available to you. Learn more at parkpower.ca. That's all for this week. A little bit longer than normal because, hey, we missed last week. So, you know, on balance, you're still getting the same number of minutes of speaking municipally. And that's just value. That's another promise that we make to you, though you can't hold us to that in the future. (laughs) Uh, We've got a big episode this week. We talked about him earlier in the show, the big old grand pooba, the mayor not running in 2021. And Mac, you speculated that, you know, he's got a bunch of end of year roundups and media interviews that maybe he wanted the information out for. One of those was with Taproot Edmonton. That's right. Our own Emily Rendell Watson had the opportunity to interview the mayor, and she's going to join us next week to, you know, play some clips and let us talk about him without him actually being on the show. It's just like your favorite sitcom. When they run out of budget towards the end of the year, you get the clip show. 
We're going to give you a Don Iveson clip show next week. So look forward to that bottle episode. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And I'm Catherine Warren. And we're Speaking, Speaking Municipally. Nailed it. Nailed it. Do you want yep. to do it one more time or is that good? No, no, you know what? It's, it's quaint when we screw it up. <laughs>